Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, so the Boston Celtics are going to be playing Cleveland on Wednesday. John and I are here, Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. And this is a game I've had on my calendar for a while. I didn't realize that this game was going to end up being what I would say pretty critical game. Cleveland escapes a double overtime victory against Indiana on Sunday night, John. They're going to play the Orlando Magic Tuesday night. They catch Boston on the second of a back-to-back. Boston, the first team to hit 50 wins in the Eastern Conference. I have them slated for 55. We talked about it on the last show. They're going to have to win out to get my win prediction, and that's all going to have to start with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we'll obviously talk about Jay Crowder because they're going to need Jay if they're going to they're going to go 5 and 0. They've been 8 and 2 in their last 10. What are you looking for in the Cleveland game other than maybe more drama from Tristan Thompson? <laughs> well, let's see if LeBron plays. I think I think there's still some debate as whether or not they'll actually who they're going to send. I mean, they've they've got Orlando uh tonight here uh Tuesday night. So I'm not sure who they'll send to Boston there on Wednesday night. Maybe that's the time they rest everybody. They played a, a whale of a game Sunday night against uh, the Pacers. Going, you know, LeBron going toe to toe with Paul George. Paul George basically trying to be the one man team because nobody on his team was doing much of anything to help him. And, you know, so shockingly enough, it turns out that, that you need more than one guy to win a game and, you know, Cleveland pulls it out in the end. That would have been real nice to have a loss there for Cleveland because that would have really set up a situation where no matter what happens in the Celtics game on Wednesday night, they'd still leave with, with a lead more than likely. But all that being said, you're right. It all comes down to this one. It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I think, you know, when I first looked at the calendar, I thought, okay, well, that's a good kind of precursor to, you know, the, the playoffs and, and getting ready and, you know, hoping that, you know, you get ready for that later on. Thinking Cleveland would have had this whole number one seed wrapped up weeks ago. But, you know, as you said, Celtics are the first to get to 50 wins. There's a real possibility that some of the teams that, that they've been kind of in the, in the mix with, uh, you know, looking at Washington and Toronto, maybe they won't get there. I mean, 
look, Washington's at 46 wins. They've got five left to play. Uh, there's six left to play. And, you know, that means they got to win four to six. Maybe that doesn't happen. They've got some tough runs. So, uh, hey, this is, this is what it's all about here Wednesday night. I think, I feel like they win this. They got the number one seed in the bag, pretty much. I, I just don't see another way in which, with a few games the Sulks have left, basically four after Wednesday night, uh, Cleveland will also have four left after Wednesday night. That if the Sulks are able to pull out a victory there, that things, there'd be, have to, have to be some real funny business going on for the Sulks to lose out. Well, let's say, I, I mean, I agree with that completely. So let's say Cleveland wins the game against the Magic. They both go in with the exact same record. It's sort of the tie-breaking move. I can still see the Celtics stealing first place if they drop that game to Cleveland just based on what's been going on with the Cavs so far this season. But I can see it going the other way because Milwaukee, dude, scares me. And the... <laughs> I don't know why, but they totally scare me. They they kind of share the ball as as part of it. So then they've definitely got a huge mismatch with uh, Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo. Did I say that right? That was Close I enough. wasn't ready. I didn't practice. You know what I mean? I didn't do my uh, you know enu- uh, enunciation drills before we got on the show. But um, Antetokounmpo, I said it right. I, I definitely. Kumpo. I think I blew. Is it Kumpo? It's Kumpo. That's all right. right. Well, it doesn't matter. Go. Hey, it you doesn't. know what's That's why I usually just say it's, it's Giannis, Giannis not Jonas. I keep throwing the G in there, but that I knew I messed up. So there you go. Yeah. I have Giannis, no idea. Greek freak, freak. Just don't go with the aunt. Just, you know. Dude. That's all right. How much muscle has He's he put on since he and Kelly Olenek were drafted? <laughs> it's a, his commitment to strength conditioning really is pretty impressive. I mean, well, he was strong, yeah, but he's gotten big. But he's—it's it, not even about the big, though. I mean, it's—it's it's the length, it's the speed, it's the. Oh, but I it mean, is it, about the big. I got to disagree. I, with you I, don't, 100%. I, I don't see that. No, I, I'm with you. you he's got the it? handle. I, I'm with you as far as all the other traits making him a great player, and it'd still be a right. great player. But the fact that he can go to work in the post and rebound. You can't you can't tell me that having some girth and some strength doesn't have a huge impact on making his game even that much more versatile. I mean, yes, being a point guard at that height and and also the wingspan is just ridiculous. Like it's not even just the height, it's the long arms and but but to be able to pack on that much muscle when you when you watch him um when you watch him body up a little bit in the post, and I understand he's not like back to the basket, but there's definitely some moves that he has where that upper body strength is totally coming into play. And the other teams might have tried to outmuscle him if it was just quickness. Like just grab somebody who's fairly quick, double team him, and and have somebody push him back and push him back. Lock him up a little bit. But I don't think you can get away with that because, yes, he's got the spin move and he can spin out of a double even. And um, you can split the defenses really well because he's got that handle and he's got that first step in the quickness. But there's there's just times when you need to rely on strength. And I don't know how much muscle he's packed on, but it, he's probably put on, I'm going to guess, 25 pounds looking at the pictures. And that's pretty substantial for an NBA athlete. You know, 25 pounds is, is a good chunk of muscle. Um, 
the game they probably should have won this past week really highlights a lot of it, though. Even Malcolm Brogdon, which we'll get into the Chad Ford, Kevin Pelton redraft 2016 probably in the second segment. But that's a team I'm, I'm kind of glad to see them streaking up the standings. I mean, I know right now if the, if the season ended today, Boston would be in the one seed. Um, and they would probably draw Milwaukee or Washington in the second round. And it might be Milwaukee who is, is streaking like Frank the Tank right now. But, um, see, I, I love Frank the Tank. You know I've dropped that. I'm good for, I'm good for a Frank the Tank reference about once every five months. How can you not love a good Frank the Tank? I mean, come on now. Come on. But yeah, you're right. They're streaking, baby. And, uh, they're all, you know, they're headed for the quad and, uh, it's, if I'm if I'm the Washington Wizards, I'm I'm nervous. Not because Milwaukee is this world beating team. I mean, look, there's a reason why they're forty and thirty seven right now, right? I mean it's not like they have all these players but they haven't put it together. Brogdon Brogdon's got some real promise. He can really play. Um, you know you know, having Middleton back is is a huge plus for them. But they haven't put it all together yet. You know, and, and this is kind of their, their debut, you know, kind of on the scene as a, as a playoff team here. And I, you know, if I were Washington, I'd want to play Milwaukee first round, probably more so than playing, you know, Cleveland, Toronto or Boston, but they still have not done it yet. And until they have, it's, it's, they're, they're an easier mark, you know, and, and I think Boston has some of that same issues. If I'm Chicago or Indiana teams that have been there before largely, I'm looking at Boston saying, well, you know, they've never won it before. And until you get that first series victory, I think people look at you as a team that, that really has a potential to be a little bit softer and not yet knowing how to get a, a, a W in the, in the playoffs. Well, that is absolutely true, but I think that's almost like a constant in the Eastern Conference over the last decade, yep. right? So, yep. it, it, unfortunately so, well, you know what? I'll say unfortunate maybe for the Eastern Conference, but very fortunate for the Boston Celtics this year. I mean, yeah. a 50-win team, maybe 55 on the high end, probably going to land right at your prediction of 53 wins. A 53-win conference winner is is little crazy. So there's going to be questions about injuries Plagued the Eastern Conference though too this season. I mean, you know, look at Toronto. They they might have been the far and away winner in the Eastern Conference if they hadn't stumbled so much with Lowry's injury. And if he gets right for the postseason, they could storm through. They still scare me more than any other team, but they've got to be a hundred percent healthy for that fear to really kick in. Um, let's talk about the seating a little bit more, but first. Remind everybody, Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. Follow me at CSL underscore Justin and John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel, which is really going to be heating up. I guess all of the Celtics content on CLNS Radio is going to be heating up here in the postseason, but high definition, full-length locker room interviews, and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss. So, yeah, Toronto still freaks me out a little bit. Do you think they're going to fizzle out, though, 
do do you think they just don't get it right or or I mean look at the look at the trade deadline acquisitions I mean they got themselves poised for postseason they've got some veteran presence there if Lowry is healthy it's not out of the question to see them in the finals this season I love the idea that they're gonna, that that they might have to play Cleveland though I mean yeah I'm that just is beautiful. That- I'm hoping this holds where it is because I think that's the, it's the toughest, it's, it's, it's by far the toughest road for, for Cleveland. It's the best road for Boston. Uh, you know, would Toronto rather play Boston in the second round? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, hey, look, Toronto's good. I mean, they're, they're a good team and that doesn't mean that they, uh, they, I guess what I'm saying is, they weren't that great before Lowry's injuries anyway. I mean, they were better than Boston, sure, but Boston had far more injury issues. You know, if they were healthy all year long, I think they would be far above where they were too. So, you know, the injuries, as you said, the injury bug kind of bit everybody except for Washington. Washington's the one team that really avoided that injury bug throughout the season. And Cleveland had love out for quite a long stretch. Same with J.R. Smith. You know, I mean, they've, they've. And look at the injuries Washington's dealt with in the past. So that's almost right. kind of silly. Right. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, when is it going to happen? And it's kind of surprised it hasn't yet. But look, Washington, I think is, they've, they've ran so many minutes for those guys that and they have not, they're not accustomed to those many minutes over a season. I, I do think that they are, they're tired. I think they're, that's a tired team right now. I think they've just been straight ahead. Whereas Boston, because of those injuries is probably a little bit fresher than, than a lot of these teams. And, and we got to talk about just kind of continuing on the Cleveland theme here. I don't think Cleveland is making a good choice here in how they've been operating here down the stretch. The amount of minutes that, that LeBron James, 50-some-odd minutes the other night against, you know, Indiana. I mean, why why are they doing that? I, I get that, that LeBron gets to call his shot on just about everything that goes on with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But why the hell? <laughs> we talked about that with Ty right. Lue before the show even got started. We'll right. circle back. But why is why is that happening? Like why is why is Cleveland like letting that happen? Because now, okay, we look at seeding, right? So they're busting their humps to get to 49 wins right now in a battle with Boston to get that number 1 seed. And then it's going to be what do you have left? When it comes to the playoffs, I mean, we all know Cleveland has well, another. They're figuring game or LeBron two. can will them to a win in a first round series. The same. I mean, look at the way sure. the Celtics did it back in the day. After that initial championship run, they started to slip in the seed and still found a way to will themselves to victory in the first round. Even having gone, even the first year they went down, like it looked like it was a pretty ugly. They had to go all seven and yeah. route to you know banner number seventeen which was pretty crazy, and you can see that happening with this Cleveland team. I mean, I don't want to start saying it's the end of an era, but... No, no, but, no I'm not saying that. But but, but those... I know, right but, the, but the slipping is there. The point is, is this is the first time, like, well, the tread on the tires has been worn down, and all of a sudden it was like you were out in the snowstorm and you felt something. Does that mean that you couldn't keep riding on those tires the rest of that winter and get to the next winter? Sure you could. But the point is... The slip is there. That's the first time we've really seen them slip. And, you know, it's a lot to try to defend a championship. Just ask Golden State last year. But at the end of the day, uh, I think – here's what I want to ask you. 
let's say they somehow lose to Orlando, because I agree, there's some mismanagement. Maybe they try to get rested up for, you know, the game against Boston on Wednesday. But if they if they lose against Orlando, do you think they just completely concede at that point and go freshen up? Well, I think they'll make a call on going to Boston before they even play. I think I think tomorrow they'll know what they're going to do. You think they're going to do it anyway? I think they're going to play in Boston. I think oh, I think got to. I think that they will I I've heard this the other way. Uh you know, uh, our, our, our good friends over on the, the J, the J channel, uh, <laughs> Corrales and, and King were saying, you know, he was saying, well, well, maybe they don't want them to travel. I don't think so. I think you sit them on the first night, you go to Boston and you try to get that first seed back because Lord knows it's going to be a whole lot easier with, with, with home, home court. Now, am I worried if I'm Cleveland that I don't have home court? No. Yeah, but, but you're but the, but you're, you're the way they, they manage they, this. But hold on, is if they been, rest it in Orlando and then they lose it, what's the point of they're not, not getting lose. it back? They're not, they're not going to lose to Orlando. There's no way. <laughs> that think, little team is trash, hot garbage in in a uniform. <laughs> they're not losing to Orlando. You, no matter me, who they rest, huh? You're DeAndre saying, Liggins, yeah. they're not losing to Orlando. No, no, that's not going to happen. Now. Now, but even but even if so, they're gonna they're gonna make that call before the game. You know, I mean, I, I can't foresee that they're gonna give up the game against Boston because, as you're right, they're conceding. They're conceding at that point to the, the the conference, and I just I don't think the way that they've managed it is an ESPN game, and with all the criticism about resting stars, especially for those yes. big nights, LeBron is a LeBron is a company guy, so to speak, in that regard. Maybe not with his coach but certainly with the league. And uh, that's probably all the impetus you need right there. That's why that's I, you throw it out there, but they're probably not even going to rest that many people against Orlando. They're probably going to jump out to an early lead and then justify, you know, reduced minutes. Because, yeah, you don't want to have to play the second night of a back-to-back a little tired, and they are kind of triangulating their travel a little bit up and down the East Coast. But... At the end of the, oh no, they're at home against Orlando, aren't they're they? They're home. Yeah. yeah, they're home. So they're not really traveling all that bad anyway. No. But you, you probably would also not want to rest completely after a huge battle on Sunday and then, you know, re- rest Kyrie or LeBron against Orlando completely because that's two days. They're going to come, they're already not really in a rhythm. They've got to get some minutes to try to to work this thing. Like, look at the Celtics' approach to getting to the postseason. Al Horford's like, guys, we we have to get ourselves in the right mental state. And he certainly is because look at all of a sudden he's just so aggressive. Like, we saw him drive the lane the other night um, and slam it home. I mean, no, no defense, no defense whatsoever in that Knicks game. But... You say Cleveland can't lose to Orlando, and I say Boston just almost did. So I'm I'm not so sure that they can't. But at the end of the day, Al, the whole team, they're playing. They're not worried about fatigue. Maybe some of that is to your point because they've already so many people are arrested just as a result of injuries. But they're trying to get right. I got to think Cleveland's going to try to get as right as possible before the postseason as well. Do they have to rest up a little bit? Sure. So. I think they come out against Orlando, try to build a huge, huge lead, 
and then just reduce the minutes. But I'd be surprised if they sit anybody for that entire game. Yeah, I, you know, I think part of this is that I don't trust the management of their roster and, and of their minutes. You know, I mean, quite frankly, partly, yeah, play LeBron 50 minutes against the Celtics. I mean, I, I just, I think. No, I mean against Orlando. They'll no, I know, play I know. Full, they'll play full against Boston. You're absolutely right. But, but the point, but the larger point though is, is that what we're trying to figure out like rationally, what will you do? Rationally, we wouldn't do this. We wouldn't have LeBron playing 50 minutes against the Pacers. I mean, does it really matter if they're the two seed, the three seed, the four seed? It doesn't really matter. We all know that, that if they play to that gear that they can get to, they're going to beat all these teams easily, right? And we all know that. We love, I mean, I love the Celtics, but if LeBron plays like LeBron did in the finals, it doesn't matter who's on the Celtics club at this point. They're the, if they have career games, LeBron is going to be at a, here and everybody else is going to be at a different level. And that's, that's the fact of it. So I'm not trying to be, you know, kind of down on the situation, but the Cavs are not managing this situation well and there's very little logic or reason behind it so we're trying to like well you know maybe they'll do this or that it's like if i'm ty Lu, i'm telling lebron you're not playing 32 minutes from the all-star breaking on i mean on average i just and, and he's still second it wasn't a nationally televised game either so it's i don't think there was pressure on lebron to have this big shootout with paul george oh. either He's doing this on his own, and he's not realizing his age. In, in my mind, that's what's That's going my on. point about the tires skipping a little yeah. bit. It's yeah, starting oh, totally. to show. It's starting to yeah. show. No, no, I agree with you there. And, and the other thing is the bench isn't what it was. And the other piece about that is they don't have the pieces to build the bench around him. They spent all their chips to get J.R. Smith. That's and, right. And, and and Shumper. And so this is what they got. And if they can get guys off the scrap heap and tr- this is like what happened with the Celtics in ten. This is like the two thousand ten Celtics right here. This is the third year of LeBron. It's the third years of three max guys on the roster. Okay. And in the first year you had young players. They weren't able to get it done against uh, the Warriors. Second year, who made people, made people believe, including myself, that the 09 Celtics would have been better than the 08 Celtics. You know, KG gets hurt, it doesn't work out. In that case, in, you know, Cleveland wins the title last year. Okay, this is year three of this core, right? Now look back at what the, the, the 2010 Celtics had. There was no PJ Brown, there was, there was no Sam Cassell, you know, I mean, things that the year they brought in away. Shaq. Is that when they pulled in no, Shaq? Or was that no, a year later? No. That was the, that was after that. Yeah, you know, they had that was when they brought in uh, Rasheed Wallace. Yep. You know, and and so the core was still there in large part, but things his Posey was gone. The, the, you didn't have the bench. You couldn't afford to keep the bench you had two years before. And so it did start to slowly slip away. More was on the backs of guys like KG and Paul and Rondo and Ray. And okay, so now you gotta put more on the back of LeBron. More on the back of Kevin Love. More on the back of Kyrie Irving. And this is, I think that's kind of the tread slipping is, it's a great analogy. Now, the Celtics club was about six minutes away from being a champion. 
And that could happen to this team too, but I think this Warriors team is better than the 2011, the 2010 Lakers by a long shot. And I also think that this Eastern Conference, if it can, can kind of get its head together, it doesn't have the head cases the 2010 Eastern Conference had. We don't have pre-Miami LeBron. We don't have Dwight Howard here. This is a pretty, maybe, it, it's a different group of teams that the Cavs have to go through. And I think it's going to be a tougher road. Do I think Cleveland gets through if I didn't fire a betting man? Yeah. But, you know, what we're seeing right now, you and I talking about the minutes, to me that's indicative of, of where they're headed as a franchise. And I'm feeling like maybe this, you know, maybe they're not at the end, but but their their ceiling is lower than we would have anticipated even a month ago. Even lower. Yeah, definitely. Because they don't look at the last time they played, right, Justin? Remember the remember when they came in, and I don't know if you remember the lineups, but they, they tried to go with a, a real offensive minded group in there with LeBron. Like they had Corver was in there, Derek Williams was in there, Darren Williams was in there. Um, you know, they were trying to find some ways to get some offense, but they couldn't stop a nosebleed, right? And then it's like, okay, well then let's get Shumpert and let's, you know, let's give Richard Jefferson. You're right. It's like Ty Lewis just throwing it against the wall. Yep. They don't have, they don't have lineups that can do everything. Like they have lineups that do one thing, but they can't do both things. And I think, I think J.R. Smith's return is, is really big for them. If he can play anywhere low to the level he was in the playoffs last year, that's, that's huge. That's huge for them. But, the team we saw last time, Suns could beat that team in a, in a, in a seven-game series. Well, that would be nice. And we'll, hopefully we'll get a little preview on Wednesday. But yeah. I, I just it's going to be so much different in the postseason. Those lineups even yes. will all of a sudden do different things. Even if J.R. Smith isn't healthy, it'll just be different. It just will be. And that's what the postseason does. The postseason changes everything. And until – I would love, and again, I'd love to say we see Cleveland stutter step in that first round, and we go, oh, oh yeah, there they are, they're slipping, it's that tread. But again, we can go back to the Celtics even in the championship run, but several first rounds, uh, or the uh, first round of the playoffs in the cage, the big, the second coming of the big three era, they stuttered in that first round. It was almost like they had to cut their teeth, and they often finish the season a little funky too. And, you know, they, they would sometimes limp to the, to the finish. And some of that probably was their age. But there, again, you can draw some comparison, at least, at, at least towards LeBron. And I think you, you make a nice point about the bench and the supporting cast. They've mortgaged that so they don't have one or maybe not like they did. But at the end of the day, this team is vulnerable, maybe. But we're not going to know until the second round. It would be awesome, to your point, if Cleveland and Toronto could kick the crap out of each other for that second round. That would be even if the even if Boston faces Milwaukee. Well, you know what, Boston and and Washington could be a kill uh, a, a kick around as well. The only thing is there may be some merit to what you're saying. Washington may have just run out of gas. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I think that's what we're all hoping for, right? Is that the, the gas tank is empty. It's on E. You know what I mean? That's, that's what we're all hoping for. Um, 
I think LeBron is capable of that higher level. I just, if I'm, okay, if I'm Ty Lu, I, I go to LeBron and I say, look, if you're healthy and, and you're feeling good, we can get, th- we can limp through a first round series and get our, our act together in the first round, no matter who we're playing, whether it's, it's Milwaukee, whether it's Indiana, Chicago, whatever, any of those first round series, we can figure it out. It's the second round where we need to be ready. And in a, in a four, five, six game series, they can get that right in the first round. I would shut him down for two weeks, just like that little sabbatical he got a year ago when he went to Miami for two weeks that he took off. And he had a, he had an unbelievable finals. I think he's going to need that to get his body right. I, I just, LeBron's not the problem in Cleveland, but him being not he's not going to be the solution and, if he's trying to be the solution every night down the right. stretch heading into the postseason. He's sure. got to be this. He's got to be the solution in May and June, and he's not going to be if he has to be the solution in April. You know, take the L's, go further down the Eastern Conference, you know, seedings, and then kick it in when when the when the seedings are set, and and then beat your, you know, go you know go your way up from from underneath. I mean, in 2010. Okay, they the Cavs were the one seed, I believe. They were the one seed going into it. It might have been might have been Orlando, but but they were they were among the top seeds there, right? Boston had to come back from under from from lower in the bracket to kind of come up and punch their way up. And he saw what happened there. It didn't matter that Boston didn't have home court through much of that playoff run. They were able they were a stronger, tougher team. And Cleveland could be that same team. Cleveland could be that same thing. I hate to sound like I'm like their advocate here, but it's just, you it's, are it's when nobody else is because they're, you're, you're basically saying, why aren't you guys doing the right thing? Why aren't you taking yeah. care of yourselves? Why aren't you positioning yourself? You're right. I mean, if this team, if this team could be afforded the luxury of playing these kinds of minutes at the end of the season, it'd be because they've already won 60 games. They've locked up the number one seed, and rest has already come. At this yeah. point, making the fight isn't even worth it. You're, I, no. I see your point. I don't. I Boston, because of the depth and the rotations, and the fact that that starting lineup hasn't played enough minutes together, they almost have to do this. But the wear and tear is low. Except when we come back from the break, we have to talk about. Jay Crowder. So first, a word from Blue Apron and Seat Geek. Blue Apron's mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. And for less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers those seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. The plated food, I'm telling you, it looks the same. It's not hard to cook. I got a couple of more meals coming my way uh, this coming weekend. I'm pretty excited about that. You can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences, and there's no weekly commitment, so you can take a couple of weeks off, which I actually did the last three or four weeks. Took a couple of weeks off, but going to be home the next week, so the wife and I are going to cook some of these meals together. The ones that are up and coming, spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, 
bell peppers and ricotta salada, sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot and ginger fried rice, and parmesan crusted chicken with creamy fettuccino and roasted broccoli, and then also baby broccoli and (laughs) fontina paninis with hard-boiled egg and arugula salad. See, John, I love it. I'm always good for not knowing one of these foodie terms. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Celtics. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Celtics. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And as the Celtics playoff push heats up, and it really is heating up, we've got just a little over a week and, and change coming up. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game, and I know you're going to be getting yours if you're in the Boston area. You're going to be going to one of these playoff games. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. I think I mentioned I bought tickets to the Hershey Bears recently, but Jim Gaffigan is another personal preference, a suggestion there for tickets. I know he's on tour and best of all, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click on add a promo code and enter our promo code CSL2017. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CSL2017 today. So yeah, John, Jay Crowder, the elbow, elbow weirdness, that's got me a little freaked. This starting lineup does need time together. We thought we were kind of cruising, and Avery Bradley missed a game because of the flu, but then he misses another game because of the flu. I think that's throwing him off a little bit, and we really don't know what to expect in this Cleveland game, and no updates as of the time we're recording this. So, you know, we've got, we'll still have plenty of time by the time everybody listens to this before the Cleveland game, a full day and a half anyway. But there's been no updates. The Jay Crowder weird elbow freaks me out a little bit. Do you remember that season? And it wasn't the season Paul dealt with all the knee stuff and everything or the ankle. Like, was it the knee or the ankle? Well, he had the elbow, too. Remember, but he had the was... elbow, but that was a season before, right? Uh, the big, I think the, it was. When he missed no, all that. I thought the, I think the elbow season was 07, was, which was the foot, also the year of the foot. Cause he the had, foot, that, that's right. Remember he, cause he came back and he had that elbow pad on when, uh, when they first, uh, first got the KG guys together. It seemed like he was comfortable with it for a little bit and then. See, for some reason, I thought that the elbow was bothering him the season before the foot injury, or maybe that's when it started. I, I read, I looked back a little bit because I started thinking about it when I heard the weirdness and then, uh, Brad Stevens made the comment about he didn't know if it was his bursa or not. 
and Paul was struggling with bursitis, and they were just sucking fluid. I remember talking mm. with JB about this on the show, all three of us, and they yes. were just sucking pus out of his elbow. Yeah, that's the tough. last thing we want. <laughs> it's the last yeah. thing we want to see from Jay Crowder, especially because you know what's going to aggravate that contact. And this is a guy who's yeah. going to need to be able to take contact if we. If if we find out it's some weird malingering thing, and hopefully it doesn't hold him back like the high ankle sprain, but if it is a bursa and he winds up having bursitis, that's going to freak me out because that's a lot of management in the postseason for a guy who's probably the most likely to take contact throughout the postseason. I mean, he's the dirt dog. Yeah, well, and the other piece of that too is that, like, I mean, thank goodness it's not a shooting elbow, right? Because that that would be, you know, not disastrous, but that yeah, that's a, but that would take been, away that three. That'd be a big problem. It would be an issue. Well, if you, if you know, if you're a forty forty percent shooter, I mean, he, they need him. They need his scoring, right? So, I, I mean, you're right. I, if anywhere is bad, but I, I, if I have to choose. I'll take a left elbow over a right elbow for him, but you're right. I mean, he's got to be healthy, and and unfortunately, you know, it was no, I just this mean that would definitely hurt them. I know it's just a three pointer, but had it been the shooting elbow, it would it would really be a killer in the postseason. Sure, sure. No, I I just I, I think that he's you know we're gonna see what this is all about. The tingling thing is kind of weird. That doesn't seem like a like a tendonitis issue. I mean, that just seems like it's a I don't know. I, I was thinking more of a stinger, but then, you know, to see it blow up like that, that's not, um, you know, usually <laughs> if someone, you know, gets some sort of nerve deal, usually you're not going to have, you know, swelling like that. So I, it's, it seems strange that they, we haven't heard anything yet. Um, but maybe they were getting time good. off. <laughs> right. Right. So what, so, what do you do in this case? They didn't rest him last year. They kind of made him you know, play through that high ankle sprain, or maybe they didn't make him. I think he chose to was actually what wound up being reported that, that he fought through it and he never had a high ankle sprain. I mean, you just told me what the, what Cleveland should do. What yeah. are you going to do in this case? You're just going to put him on the shelf and, uh, and, and, and hope that it sort of inflammation goes down and everything corrects itself before, the postseason, and then you sort of roll the dice with whether or not he gets heated back up in time in the first round. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to until we know what it is, right? I mean, it's just it's a hard thing to say. Is it is it is it a tendon issue? Is it a I don't know. Is it a bruise issue? I mean, I just I don't have any sense for what we're talking about here. I mean, if he can't reaggravate it, you know, then you know I'm not as concerned. I mean, high ankle sprains a little bit different. I mean, that's something you can you can redo and redo and redo of course tendonitis if it's that that's just overuse anyway so yeah maybe you do shut him down under that scenario i think it just depends upon what the prognosis is for for his you know for what's going to happen there but you know look after this game against cleveland okay here's here's the thing it's so funny i just pulled up the schedule and i started doing the exact same thing they don't need him to finish strong no they don't but they do need the starting lineup to get minutes together preparing for the postseason. I mean, that's one of the biggest comments that, that Horford had. And Horford is definitely out there playing at a different level than he has all season long. Like, sure. he is gearing up. There's no doubt. And it would be nice if he was gearing up with a healthy starting lineup so that they could all kind of get used to what he's going to contribute 
in the postseason that maybe they haven't been 100% used to throughout the year? Well, I think that they need continuity and they need time together. Um, you're right about that. I, but how, what are they going to get here in the last five games? You know, I just, I'm, I think that they're going to have to find that in the playoffs at this point. I mean, they, they, when they play together, they play well, but you know, what are you going to learn playing against Charlotte, uh, Brooklyn, the failing, a failing Hawks team, uh, you know, a, a Bucks team that may rest some folks. I mean, it's hard to get anything out of well, hold on. We need him for the Nets. The we need him against the Nets, and, <laughs> and this is why. The Nets all of a sudden are playing well. <laughs> nah, they're on not, a little, I mean, for the Nets. For the Nets, they're on the a Nets, little bit of a run. Sure, sure. There are people out there that are worried about the Lakers. I mean, that's not happening. For I'm them. not but worried about no that, but way. I don't want to lose that's to the Nets happen. in the second to last no. game of the season. Right. And the right. Nets have played us tough, and they've gotten better. This this will probably be the best Nets effort we'll see all year. Look, it's there, there's a four game. So there's a four game gap between Brooklyn and the Lakers. Okay, if Brooklyn and and they've got <laughs> this is crazy. They've got five games to play. So if Brooklyn hasn't lost between now and then, and and the Lakers haven't won between now and then. That will clinch the thing. So I fully expect it won't matter at that point. The Celtics first round seed or seedings in the East will be a far more a play than that. But do you want to lose to Brooklyn? No, you don't. And I, but is that a game where you could rest some people? Probably. That's probably the last game you have where it really doesn't matter at all. That's who, a, who that's takes. a Marcus Smart like show off game in the waiting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let Terry Rozier go nuts in that one. You know. Let's let Terry's Tyler been Zeller. hot. Terry's been hot, He's and been well. and we could yep. we could definitely. You almost want to see that second unit, even though we know that won't be the way that the rotations play out in the postseason. They'll be, they won't be wholesale, you know, trade offs. No. There'll be a a guy coming in here, a guy coming in there, maybe two at a time. Uh, but we're, you know, the starters are going to play a lot of minutes, uh, unless there's a, a blowout going on. Right. However, right. that, that second unit, the, the Jalen Brown, the Marcus Smart, Terry the Rozier, kids. Kelly Olinick, and I guess Jerebko, right? Cause we want to get yeah. Jerebko. He'll, he'll, he'll see some postseason run. Probably those Definitely. five guys wouldn't be bad to just start them in that Nets game and, and see what they're made of. You know, they're going to falter, but hopefully the, the seeds will all be determined at that point. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Yeah, you're right. I think so. I think they will. I mean, look, that that second unit is really where you're hoping, you know, your your bread is buttered, I suppose, you know. And it's unfortunate we don't get a chance to see Abuselli play. Uh, this would be a great opportunity for him here in these last few games. But actually, the Red Claws. That was are in such playoffs. an excellent transition right there because you, you know, know we have Yavaselli on deck. It almost, <laughs> it's almost like we planned this before. Done. Yeah, I was going to say you're like <laughs> it's like you're a pro. It's almost like we've done this for a few years, you know. <laughs> ten years, ten long years. More it's than been that, more actually. than ten years. More than that, almost a decade, right? We had a decade. No, ten years. Are we, are we, are we Twelve years. We had dozens. Yeah, that's awesome. Dozen. I think we're closer to like almost fifteen, bro. No, not two thousand two. No, no. Oh five, right? Oh four, oh five, right? Yeah. So Baker's dozen. Oh five. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's been twelve years. 
So, you know, hey, you know, this is, we know, we've done this. We know what we're doing. You know, so to to continue that, that trend, uh, look, I mean, Yabaselli, right? Can we go there? Can I go there right now? Absolutely, make, dude. You have, you are, you are loving on Yabaselli. I, he's my and, guy. And he's, he's in guy. Maine. He's wearing the Red Claws unis. We talked about this before. Yep. Um, he has a shorter, he had a shorter season in China, I believe. And so he yep. gets to come, uh, stateside and play some minutes with the Red Claws. Obviously, we're not going to see Zizic or anything, but the highlights are impressive. And he yeah. is like a, yep. we thought that Big Baby was an athletic wide body. Nope. Yabuselli puts Big Baby to shame in terms of athleticism. He puts Big Baby in the corner. Oh, oh you've yep, been waiting. Dude, the way that that there. rolled right out and then you were already laughing at yourself yep. before you finished, you've been waiting on that. I have. You, have you not used that on Reddit or Twitter yet? Or did that – you just – you saved it. Save that gem for the show. Not the last time I used it either. Get used to it, folks. <laughs> Long-time listeners know Big Baby was not a favorite of mine. But Yavaselli, on the other hand, is a favorite of mine. It's kind of funny how the worm turns like that. Yep. But Yabu, my my guy Yabu here, I mean, look, he goes out there. I mean, second game, second game ever in the United States. Forget, like, D-League. Second game in the United States, 20 and 10. Okay? Plays, plays like 25 minutes. the three. Oh, yeah. And With he's got a fairly quick release for a guy. Like, this is why they compare him to Green. Right. He can't defend, though. That's the issue. That's where it's going to hold him back from getting minutes next year, is that defensively, he's not there at all. Yeah, at he's, all. he's almost like Sullender a little bit, and he'll be able yeah. to get the rebounds, and he'll be able to box out, and he'll be able to do some of that dirty work. But will he have the rotations down? Big question mark. Yeah. that's And that's why we won't see him probably right off the bat next year is that defensively he's he loves to call for the ball a lot <laughs> hey you know the old you know when you're playing pickup you're clapping your hands you get your you, know, you get your hands up wave come on come on give me the ball i'm open i'm open like hey, yeah we know a guy there's like there's like four other guys here that can put the ball in the rim too the thing is of course as a fan i want to see him get it because i want to see what he can do but yeah he he is that kid. Not only is he just athletically just a freak, but but he's he he battles for those rebounds. I mean, offensive glass in particular is really a strong point for him. Of, of you know, really getting into the glass, creating opportunities from for his him and his teammates. He's got a pretty good eye. I mean, I wouldn't say he's a playmaker. That's where the Draymond stuff falls off the map because he's not the playmaker Draymond is. He's certainly not the defender Draymond is, but he has that burst and that, and that ability to protect the rim. It's a question of his, his intellect and his wants on that end. But yeah, I mean, listen, if you're not watching D league games, if you haven't come to Maine, look, they're, they're in the playoffs. They're going to have, one, maybe two games in that first round. Come on up if you haven't already come up here. Go to the expo, check out a game. 
and if you haven't, they got there. All the games are on uh, Facebook. So we were, my son and I were sitting down watching the game on Saturday night as they were closing out against uh, the Windy City Bulls. Won that game pretty handily, and it was great. I mean, oh my gosh, it was Yabu baby, and and which leads into the next thing, dude. I love it that you went to the game. I mean, that's I just even. That's, I watched it. Oh, you watched, watched the game. It. I'm sorry. I, I thought it. you said you went to the game. No, I'm no, surprised no, no, no. you didn't. I watched it. I will. I will watch as many Yabu games as I need to because he he is my guy. He's my guy. All right. He is. You've got the. You, the I was just gonna say you sound line. worse. Like if no. if Yabu was here Come this on. season. And it was Jalen Brown and Yabu, and Yabu was going off shooting threes, even though he was getting destroyed on defensively. Sit him. <laughs> that's that's what you would say. Remember all those power forward minutes that my boy got? You would have been like, why son. Why is he getting those minutes? Why is, why is he taking those minutes? Very salty. This would be a very salty podcast with that type of It might be next situation. year. It just it might be. be next year. Could, I, we'll have to I see what happens know. in the off season, but it could get ugly. I think Jalen's going to play more than him. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. Yeah, look, I'm pretty I, sure of that, too. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm confident. Although it didn't look so good for him Saturday, Sunday. Sunday no, yanking him after what, like 90 seconds or whatever? I can't remember how far into the game it was, but no, he did not stay out there. Jared Weiss had a, had a really smart thing that he, that he wrote on, on uh, Twitter the other day where he said, he said that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like, Earth shattering, but he's like Brad Stevens is breaking down Jalen Brown as a person and rebuilding him in his own image. And I thought <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome. It's I basically that. what he's doing. It really is. I mean, he's he is he is the guy who you saw at Cal is not the guy who you see right now for the Celtics at all. And and the type of thing that he did to start that. And Jared said this before the next game. Um, I think it was on Saturday, actually. You know, to go from you know pull him out, and then you put him back in. This is that's the mark of. I'm going to take your 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 Jalen Brown love uh, spot for a second and say, that's the mark of a, of a, of a mature kid because a lot of 20 year olds would have gotten pulled out of there and would have gone fade well the cold. yeah yeah and he went in there and played had a good game had a great game. On it's the a good thing teams, that Kevin Garnett you know? isn't on this team, right? Because. I think he'd like him though. Oh, he'd love him. He'd love him. But, I think he'd like. He's but where you where you talk about somebody, you know, getting broken <laughs> down after a quick yank, and you, you know, since since we already brought up Glenn Davis, you could you could see Kevin getting all up in Jalen's mug. He would. He would. But I think Jalen would take it. Although the, the funny thing, I don't know who was that said it. They were doing some interview, and it's like, who's the guy that thinks he's. Who's the smartest in the team? They said, oh, Jalen thinks he's the smartest of the team. He's not anywhere as smart as he thinks he is. I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know who said it. It might have been Jay. That might have been a Jay Crowder comment. But, hey, we got to talk about this top ten thing. Can we, can we get to yep, that? Yep, let's hit that, and then we'll, we'll close out the show. Since you brought up Yabu, why don't so, you yeah. tee it up from there? So here's the thing. So Kevin Pelton, Chad Ford, they redrafted, in effect, the top the, the 2016 draft, right? Who are the who are the top ten players in that draft? So if you redraft them, what are the order? Right? Both guys said Ben Simmons, unquestionably number one guy. Hasn't played a minute, right? But as you'll see here, as you keep going through, I can still buy into that though, because if he had, he would have. It's it's not a it's it's still not debatable. Not right. Not not yet. 
I would say as as a as a Duke fan partially, but really as I think um, you know someone who watches, I think they diminish a bit of what Ingram can do in this. I, I think it's a bit unfair. And you look at the second guy. So Pelton says Juan Hernan Gomez from the Nuggets, and Ford says Scal Labissier is as the number two guy. Look, I think they're in the conversation, but I would certainly not pick the number two. I mean, come on. That's, no. That's, that's no. lunacy, I think. I mean, they, they try to discuss it in different reasons why they would, but they both Would you throw a Marquise for... Chris up there a little bit? Not I mean, at that He point. was one of the youngest players, right, in that yeah. draft, and I know it's with Phoenix, and I know a lot of young players are getting time. But look at what look at how much he contributed to the end of that game when they beat the Celtics on the road. And I know it's on the road and yada yada. But his athleticism, I mean, are they doing it solely based on performance this season or are they still doing it with an eye to the future? Well, yeah. I mean I, I think it's both. I know the answer yes. right, yes, I was gonna yeah. say. Yep, so keep going. But but I would so I would also say that I would take Jalen Brown over Marquise Chris too. Absolutely. I mean, you talk at the year-long, you know, production and and potential, right? So then now it gets now it starts to get interesting. So Pelton takes Brogdon form. I think we all agree Brogdon's had a hell of a year. Might be rookie of the year, right? I mean, really phenomenal year. Ford takes Yabuselli. My guy, Chad Ford. We're, we might be boys again. I don't know. It, it, He's got so, connections to that front office, though, in Boston, right? He does. Tight, he does. tight with Danny. Tight he with does. Danny. And, but so, ahead of Jalen Brown. Right. Ahead of Jalen Brown. Now this is where it really gets interesting to me. Both guys take Zizich fifth. So not only, so Pelton takes Zizich above all the Celtics draft picks. Ford takes Zizich ahead of Jalen Brown. I don't understand because there's so much limited information. I know they're not watching well, games from overseas. No, they and maybe are. there's a David Blatt connection too. Maybe there's you know for Zizich and you know obviously he coached Cleveland just a year and a half ago, so they obviously you know have. I'm sure they have a line to David Blatt if they need to, you know, get a scouting report on Zizich. But that's that's pretty high praise, man. That and and as much as I know, teams are high on him. There's no way they've watched him play anything to to give him that kind of confidence yet, right? Well, I mean, look, he he's doing this against men over there, men who who can come over here and play. You know, I mean, he's productive. You know, in on the highest stage. I mean, he's playing Euro Euro League. I mean, he's not. It's not like he's playing. You know, when we started the year, he was in the Adriatic League. He was playing. You know, equivalent of not even D League ball. I mean. Maybe like a mid-major type type. And, right. and he made the adjustment well, dominated. and has gotten he, crazy, crazy. Yep, he's gotten good coaching, and he's playing against men. I mean, he's you know he's an eighteen, nineteen year old guy, and he's playing against men over there. So I think that that and people say rebounding translates no matter where you go. You know what I mean? That, you know, we talked about this a long time ago, looking at, you know, who, who you should take coming out of the draft. And, and the rebounding is the one, you know, metric that seems to carry through no matter what level you're at. It's good rebounders for college are good, you know, pro rebounders and so forth. So the fact that Zizic is, is playing as a big over there, 
Um, I was I went into a deep dive <laughs> on you on YouTube this weekend, watching a lot of Zizic, a lot of Yabusele, and or Yabusele. That I'm still is not sure about that, that is one. the definition of a deep di- deep dive. It was, there. but man, I mean, the, the it's hard not to watch that. And I'm not watching just the, you know, you know, super highlight package with like, you know, uh, some sort of house mix, uh, you know, stuff that will probably give you epilepsy if you listen to it long enough. But I listened to it was, it was, you know, it was really, it was play. It wasn't just, you know, kind of the, the best of the best. You saw good, some bad. You can't help but, but think, you know, both those guys, one, they could really help this team right now, I think, but two, that the potential is there for something really special and it allows you to make trades with guys on the roster and then have those two come in and eventually be, you know, be part of a winning core for on, on rookie contracts. Uh, so it, it just really, really positive, you know, and, and so to look at the Celtics now, both Ford and Pelton had Jalen Brown seventh. So, how much of this could be a play, though, to increase their trade value as well and kind of put them on the map a little bit? I mean, you know that people around the league have that insider, you know, subscription and that they read that stuff. You know, yeah. Chad Ford has been a very long-standing draft expert, right? So yeah. how much how much of, of that is, you know, doing Danny's work? You know, it could be. It really could. Um, I, you know what though? Like, I feel like we over, I think sometimes we overplay how much, how much impact what those guys say has on, on what Dude, actually happens. I just Googled Zizic and the first image that popped up yeah. is a picture of Chad Ford and Danny Ainge hugging. What? No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> okay. What? what is that? I just mean, like, I'm telling you, I, I think there's some posturing here. I do. I mean, look, I'm excited about the players. Well, why Pelton? Why would Pelton do that? Like, it doesn't make, I know what you're saying. And, and yeah, I mean, I get it. But, like, at some point, like, okay, Scalabissier second, <laughs> you know, Juan Hernan Gomez second. I mean, this yeah. isn't like, I mean, you could argue with. What You're they, right. The what whole thing say. is a little oddball. It's not just one or two. I agree. I agree. I mean, Jalen Brown below both guys seems a little bit crazy to me. I mean, to 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 go through those five of each of those guys. I mean, Bender, Ingram, Brown. You know, are the last four of those ten from Pelton. Brogdon, Bender, Chris, Brown, Ingram, or Chad Ford's last five. Like good players, but it just. It seems a little bit strange that that they would use this as an opportunity to say, "Well, look what the Celtics have done." All all I would Where say is, "Where did Buddy Heald go?" Well, unless you're <laughs> unless you're Vivek, <laughs> you don't care about Buddy Heald, I guess. You know, I yeah, I mean, it's I think it's about production and and as you said, potential. It's you know, you kind of know what Buddy Heald combination, yeah. You know, I, I think that there's, I, I, you know, this is a snapshot in time, right? I mean, it's, you know, a year later and, and now what do you think? But 
I, frankly, could I see, you know, Brown being better than every player in this draft? Yeah. Brogdon, I mean, to, for Chad Ford, if a Brogdon 10th is nuts, you know, but it's a fun thing to debate about and all that. A lot of people are going to dislike the fact that Yabaselli and, and Zizic are so high, but <laughs> they, I, to me, they've earned it. You know, I think that they deserve to be in that conversation as top 10 players who, who were drafted in this. I, I think the potential is there. And let's, let's also do this. Let's give, let's give kudos to a guy, even though they haven't played a minute for the Celtics. Let's give kudos to Austin Ainge. Cause Austin Ainge is the guy that's been over. We talked about it that, that this yep. draft could be his legacy with those, like, Absolutely. A big part of his contribution, the club made a major investment in mm-hmm. getting overseas and talent and, and scouting talented players. And it was really all on Austin. This is his baby. So he will be remembered based on the, the performance of these two picks, even if they don't end up ever playing for the Celtics, even if they get moved in trade, it'll, it'll say a lot about you know, the club's move. I don't, I, I don't know that. I think those are two players the Celtics not only may want to keep, but may have to keep this off season to, exactly. to create depth on the roster for next year. Right. They don't cost any, they're, they're assets that don't cost anything. And while it might be tempting to use that as a sweetener in a trade, uh, I think I'd rather give up a draft pick, you know, an unnamed, unknown draft pick than, than give up two guys who I think are worth more than a draft pick right now. I think apart from the Nets pick, they may be the Nets picks. They may be the two most valuable assets the Celtics have that don't have a dollar attached to them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they, there's no cap number for those guys. They may be the two most valuable aside from those Nets picks, and they may move ahead of the 18 Nets pick, given how well the Nets have played of late. That that Nets pick may not be a top one, two, three. It may be a a seven, eight, nine next year. Who knows? I'm I'm, I'm very. That seems like a stretch. I still think the Nets are going to be a a bottom three team in the league next year. They 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 got to weather one more draft before they really make their move. Sounds good to me. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Oh man! Well, All right, so yeah. we're on the stretch Sorry. run. We're really after Wednesday, just waiting for the postseason to begin, and we've got a good solid two weeks before that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, four games: Atlantic, Charlotte, Brooklyn, and 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 the Bucks. And yeah, Bucks. it's. I mean, it's it's a waiting game at that point to see what happens with standings and everything but i think by by thursday we're going to know whether or not the nets pick is going to be number one or or be the worst the worst team and probably we'll know if cleveland's going to start resting some people i think over the run over the long run i i think they should but i think they should have done it long ago too so what the heck do i know right has there ever been a team I know we talked about how the Celtics are going to hit the postseason and have the number one pick overall, and I haven't seen this yet, and maybe everybody already knows the answer, and we'll end on this. Has there ever been a team that finished first in their conference and had the first pick in the draft the next season or that same season? I think they said – I think I've heard no. That's never happened. Bizarre. Can you imagine? That would be absolutely – Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week, everybody. We're going to be back 
in a week's time, and we'll wrap up the very end of the season at that point. have a pretty good idea, as John said. Where's the pick going to be? Uh, or at least where are the lottery odds going to be for the Nets pick? What's the seeding going to look like? We'll be able to break down, hopefully, some anticipated postseason playoff positioning and first-round matchups. So this broadcast is going to be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. You can help support this show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. We value your feedback and a reminder that today's show was brought Brought to you by SeatGeek and Blue Apron. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire network. A big thanks to the loyal CLNS radio audience for making it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.